Welcome to everyone's favorite podcast, It's Reclaimed Audio, with your hosts, Phil Pinsky, Bill Lutz, and Tim Sway. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Reclaimed Audio. This is episode 248 for August 12th, 2020. Um... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm just laughing. Right, right as you started, Bill just got just like walking around. I don't know, just made, made me laugh. Walking around. I, I never have anything to do when he's starting a show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I you know I I take a long time to do the intro, so you might as well get a drink, get comfy, yeah. pop the top. Well, that's put what in I, a load of I was trying to do that away from the microphone, and I get yelled at it. See? No, I wasn't yelling. I was laughing. Please. Right. You guys are hard to please. That's all I'm saying. We're not that hard to please. Um. <laughs> As you know, Reclaimed Audio is now brought to you by Klingspore, and this week we're going to be doing something very, very interesting. So get out your pen and paper. Here's what we're going to be doing. Um, there is a, an incredible sampler pack of 5-inch 8-hole. Uh, it's a 50-pack, and it's got grits from 60 all the way up to 600, and there's you get five of each grit, and it's normally 1995. It's 10% off with one of three coupon codes. So what we're going to be doing is running a little contest to see who the most popular Reclaimed Audio host is. So if Tim is your favorite, you could use the code BROCCOLI. Write that down. If Spell it correctly. Bill is your favorite, you could utilize the code UTILIZE. And if I'm your favorite, which is unlikely, you could use the code DISAGREE. And, uh, and so any of those three codes work. You get 10% off that sampler pack, and we're going to put a link to it. I'll put a link to it on the website because it's even if it's not on sale, I think it's a great product. Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. And you, I mean, you get 50, 50, I don't know, 50 pads there for, for 20 bucks. It doesn't even make any sense to me. I said to him, I said, we, we can't give more than 10%. I mean, it doesn't. it's already a crazy deal. But so, uh, so why are we doing these three different coupon codes, Phil? We're voting on who your favorite host is, Bill. Oh. So basically, if you disagree with broccoli like most of us do, you might as well utilize the best coupon code. How long did you work on that? Honestly. Yeah. That's why you were busy between four and seven this morning? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean, we all know that you're going to use, you know, the broccoli code, of course, broccoli, broccoli, broccoli to save 10% broccoli. I disagree. Woodworking shop. I disagree strongly. I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. <laughs> but uh, I think we can all agree that uh, we're thrilled to have Klingspore as a sponsor, <coughs> and uh, and that ridiculous deal is ridiculous anyway. So yeah. Wait, and so I'll put a I, link. Can I, can I mention yeah. something about uh, Klingspore being an amazing sponsor? I would. I would hope that you would. Okay. Well, so yeah. last week I believe we were talking about. Um, it would be good to have, for me, like the, the CNC. We talked about Tim's little spritz on his show and the CNC, the shark. Anyway, Klingspore is, there's a sale going on. They I didn't realize that they had the shark CNC. Now, I'm not getting one, so don't anybody say anything. However, if you were looking into it, they have a couple of different sizes of the shark. And we were talking about, well, I'd like to get the laser. Well, the sale they're having is, is that if you buy one of the two shark CNCs, either the 12 by 13 or the 12 by 24 I believe uh, you get a free laser upgrade with it laser laser Lasers. anyway I just 
Right. We were just right. talking about that. And, and I also feel like we should say it every time that Klingspore's website is woodworkingshop.com. It's not Klingspore. Yeah. But if you search Klingspore, you'll find it. But um, but right. So that's where right, you right. can go to save 10% on their sampler pack of 50 discs by using the code broccoli. I would I would utilize that opportunity. I disagree. But um, and, I, you mean, know, <laughs> I actually don't disagree. <laughs> no, I do agree. We, but We should also maybe for newer listeners that don't know that, that we... This goes back to our T-shirt sales when we decided to make T-shirts a while back, which are all sold out now. And um, we wanted to see who could sell the most T-shirts, and so we had we each had our own saying that we would put on the back if you s- requested us. It ended up d- devolving to a mashup where I just took the stencils that I made and just made ridiculous comments all over the backs of the shirts. But even bef- before we started doing that, um, Bill Lutz was cl- clearly the winner. Um, that his like his miles. utilized bearded dragon comment was printed more than my steams my broccoli and more than Phil's agree to disagree um, but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna change that this time and we're gonna make you know broccoli the number one I'm a little older guys I don't like change so if you just want to utilize the coupon code utilize I'm good with that right who else sponsors okay. us patreon of course we have many patreoners patreonites patreonites this week's top patreonites are lakeside woodcrafter Stu Morrison the Godfather, Jimmy DeResta. Scott Turner, Greg Mead, Chad Grossclaws, Shane Bronson, Jeff Shaw, Infinite Craftsman, LiquidRC.com, Jim Bashirs, Paul Jackman, the boys over at Maybe I've Said Too Much, Creator Nader, Wesley Treep, Rob Ray, Darren Mattis, I, mean, I said at the beginning, I'll say it again, Klingspore, um, Isotunes, Tim Holliner, Keith Decent, probably, I'll have to check that one, uh, and of course, Gangi and Pop Pop Makerspace. I'm pretty sure I only do this podcast now for the bell. For the bell, yeah. Yes. Does it make you salivate? <laughs> Is it supposed kibble? to kibble? There's uh, there was an experiment in the early days of uh, psychology, and there was a psychologist named Pavlov, and he would train his dogs so that. Every time he gave them a steak, he would ring the, the bell before. And eventually, all he had to do was ring the bell, and their mouths would start watering. So that, that's called Pavlovian conditioning. Mm-hmm. However, I, I knew, I've never heard of that before, but I also know that that's pretty much true with any dog you have. When they hear, like for Danny, for instance, yeah. when we open up the fridge, she doesn't get off the couch. When we get the specific, uh, in fact, I have one here, the little cheese slices that come into the thing, and right. peel the top off. Yeah, she hears that yep. and she jumps off the couch and she comes running and starts drooling. She knows right. that's the cheese yeah. box. Well, that's that's now, what I'm not sure why she thinks that every time I open that box she gets a piece of cheese because I give her a piece of cheese. I don't know why. But, <laughs> but that yeah, that's what he. Related. That's what the this scientist had noticed, and so he did an actual controlled study to make sure it was real. Uh, and that's not just mm-hmm. dogs. Like our our old not these guinea pigs that we have now. They just kind of ignore us because they're who they are but our old guinea pig would hear the plastic bags that we keep like vegetables in and, or like the crisper the drawer not the fridge but if you open that drawer you know and uh, it would start squeaking and stuff people get pa- get conditioned mm. too it's called classical conditioning I mean we hear certain things and right away you know like you hear uh, a glass clink and you're like huh I could use it with a glass of wine well, I go for a drink. You know, or you hear like a bottle top pop or oh I'm pretty thirsty you know all of these things that just sort of trigger reactions from us that are you know unconscious hmm. um anyways let's well, move away from that, psychology that anymore. experiment uh, just real quick 
that experiment was actually conducted on people. That's where he, it's like, oh, I got this idea, and now I can try some stuff on people, or no? Jesus messing with dogs. No, just the just the dogs. Although certainly scientists and, and um, anthropologists and stuff have done tests like that over the years. On oh people, yeah, they had sure, awful not, ones where they would yeah. they would take um, toddlers and basically they would oh uh, the marshmallow one they would can and no but the the bunny tail one so the furry bunny so what they would do is every time like a little kid reached for a furry bunny or whatever they would then show him a spider or something so he grew up this kid for the rest of his life right every time he saw a bunny he'd like crap his pants they used to do awful awful thing electroshock lobotomies like I don't want to talk about it. Uh, yeah, yeah, why? Why, why are we talking about this? Let's let's <laughs> the salivating because no, of the okay. belt. Anyways, uh, where do we get to? You oh, yeah. are conditioned. Are you you are Pavlovian conditioned to be pedantic about anything, as we just found out. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, no. You cannot condition yourself. I this yes, I've done to my. This is self inflicted. You um, can condition yourself. Yeah, training. I think this re- I think this requires an outside stimulus to be classically conditioned. Um, let's move on with what we're working on, though. Bill, why don't you tell us what you're working on? So I am working on um, getting into better shape. So I have uh, I don't know. I think I might have said this too. Uh, I was running with Casey, but only for a mile. Now I'm riding the bicycle because we can go much, much, much farther. So the bicycle I had was a. Um, Sun by big old fat tire beach cruiser looking thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I really liked it because it was comfortable, extremely heavy, but it had a seven speed on. It was comfortable, so I could actually go up the hills and stuff because she likes to run over the the overpasses and the pedestrian freeway access things. Anyway, um, because of where I live, there's constantly glass in the streets, and I've been getting flat tires on this thing. Now, because it's such a cool looking bike, which is why I bought it. The tires on it are very specific to that, so I can't get any actually better tires. It's this is the size. It's just for this bike. It's only this kind. People hmm. don't make a heavier duty tire for it. So I'm like, ah. So I got basically I got a flat tire. I took it to the bike shop and traded it in and got a new bike. Oh, they don't make run flats for that tire. What bike did you get? They do not. But the bike I got is a specialized. Uh, it's it's the same thing. It's more of a comfort. Hybrid type, mm-hmm. sit up straight, seven speed, but it's got a more standard size wheels on it. So if I get flats on this one, which is already more heavy duty, I can you know get online with Amazon and get me a thirty dollar heavy duty thicker tire for it. You know, right. right, probably just thirty inch tires. Yeah, she some just twenty seven and a half. To oh, exact, oh, okay. Don't they make solid rubber or anything? Do they do that? For some, they do. For, for BMX bikes and yeah. stuff, they yeah. do now. That's kind of a new thing, the solid foam yeah. insert to go inside instead yeah. of a tube. Yeah. yeah, I could see that, like a, like a high-density foam in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But then if you rip the tire, then you're screwed. But, you, but if you, you poke you it, it's going to be okay. Yourself. Well, yeah. But I mean, I, in yeah, fact, the guy rip. even, because this is like the third bike I bought from his shop, uh, uh, he even put, uh, he says, dude, it's already got better tires on it anyway. They're not just road mm-hmm. tires that are not that thick anyway. It's got more beefy tires. But if you do this deal today, I'll go ahead and throw some slime in there. So in case you do get a small puncture, it'll seal itself up. I'm like, so. Right. That's yeah. basically what run flat tires are, by the way. <clears throat> right. It's just, yeah, yeah. congeals. You the goo inside, and then it punctures, then the air pressure pushes it and it plugs the hole. Mm. Yeah. You need a Gagne. Uh, you need to find a Gagne around there. Yeah, that's what you we need. We can't all have a Gagne, Tim. I've tried to tell you this every time. Every time Phil and I need something, is like you should have a Gagne. Yeah, just, pretty much. We don't have a Gagne. <laughs> He's a person too. 
Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah, li- he doesn't listen to this podcast anymore, so it doesn't matter. You can say whatever. You want. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, I don't is that right? That son he's of a too, gun. He doesn't. He's listen. too busy fixing my bike. Time <laughs> <laughs> for this. You, you want to listen to the podcast? Maddie's, you put the lotion in the basket. Maddie's bike is there right now because it was like we we just got back. Well, you know, we get from my thing, but it was like shifting funny. It was like slipping and skipping, and so you know, it needs an adjustment. I could probably figure it out, but I got a Gagne. Yeah, I mean, yeah. when in Rome. Yeah. Tim, what do you work on? do. Well, I was uh, all last week. Uh, my family and I were in Rhode Island uh, on a half vacation, half work thing. So I took my guitar truck, which now has a name, thanks to uh, Graz from Graz Makes, um, who works Great name. who works at Marwell Lab now. We because uh, Jeff and I wanted to put a vinyl decal. Jeff Shaw, Infinite Crass or Ideal Grain, rather. Jeff Shaw. Um, he works at Narwhal Labs. He runs that, and then Graz is there as a he does film. And so, the the I took the truck there for a couple of days and Vance, and we shot some content. Some of it will be on my channel, and some of it will be on their channel. But then we mm-hmm. we just did that for a couple of days, and the rest of the week, um, they put us up in a hotel, and it was like a the mini vacation on Narwhal Labs. Uh, so my family and I hung out. We went out on a uh, sailboat. That's uh, Kristen, who was like the sort of marketing guru there. I saw those pictures. That was really super yeah, cool. Yeah, her and her family own this beautiful uh, 35-foot sailboat, which is, a like, pretty big. You know, I mean, it's like a, you could sleep yeah, sleep on a kind a of sailboat. Boat. Yeah, um, yeah. And we went out, you know, putzing around the uh, the heart, and Vance got to steer it a little bit and stuff. And it's, I've never been on a sailboat before. I've been on motorboats before. I'm like, yeah, they're all right. They're kind you know, because they're like, brrr, they're loud. Sailboats are awesome. But sailboats are, like, so peaceful and quiet, and there was not a lot of wind, so we weren't going very fast. So they're like, yeah, you, you drive, Vance. Just point for that, you know? And uh, just aim, aim for that, that building there and just keep going. And uh, he did great. Nice work, Skipper. Um, we went kayaking with Jeff. Um, uh, he has a couple kayaks, and then uh, Total Boat has a couple kayaks that they like let their employees use that are just kind of kept there. And so all, all of us got to go out. Vance and I were in a tandem one, so he would go drifting out to sea, you know. And <laughs> and um, yeah, it was uh, it was it was a great week. But so the the work part of it was that I drove my guitar truck out, took it on its maiden maiden voyage, like out of town, you know. Um, and we brought it. So how was that? Don't don't skip past that. How was that? Oh, it was great. The thing runs like a champ. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's lacking in creature comforts, you could say. <laughs> but, right. But that's, that's what I'm curious, because it's, it's a big, big open box. So I'm sure it's a little noisy, bouncy. Yeah, there's, well, there's, um, the bouncy wasn't bad. Um, it's heavy okay. enough towards it still. Um, okay. It's, uh, you know, it's definitely noisy and, and, and rattling and stuff. There's no radio in it at all. So I actually had my isotunes in, um, into my phone. And I was listening to podcasts from my phone, and I also had the GPS on there. Um, and with, mm. I could still, at first I was driving with just one ice in just because you never really want to drive with headphones, you know, but, um, right. you know, you want to be aware of your surroundings. But then I was like, I just put them in kind of loose, you know, and I was fine. Um, <laughs> you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't shoving them in, but you're also, when you're driving a, a big vehicle like that, you're like, you're, you're on high alert. You know, while you're driving, yeah, you're, yeah. you're, you're aware of what's going on. Yeah. You're, you're yeah. looking, you're looking in your mirrors a lot. You're looking around, you know, you're paying attention. Um, but yeah, no, it drove great. You know, the mill supply, um, you know, I've been getting parts from them to sort of mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. fix up the truck. And uh, they, they sent me a seat that was, uh, has armrests on it, whereas my other seat didn't. And then it's, you know, it's just not as old and used and stuff. So the new seat was fantastic. Um, plus I have a dash fan and um, the window's open. I don't have the, I don't have the cojones to drive on the highway with the door wide open like the UPS guys. <laughs> like, it's just a little sketchy. I did a little bit. Um, so- 
What's your average speed then at highway speeds? It was, you know, 65, 70. I was, I was doing oh, that. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. Oh, that, what's the rush? Great. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Go, going up hills, it slows down. Because it's not like, you know, a lot yeah. of those trucks have um, uh, diesel engines in them, but mine's a gas engine. So it doesn't have quite the, the power, you know, to... Uh, the low-end torque. Yeah, to really haul. and to, So you, you hit the hills and you feel it, you know. But, um, but yeah, I mean, most time I was doing 60, 65. You know the the speed, the speed limit. Everything's everything's stable. I mean, yeah, I had my. We don't care if it doesn't go. We want to make sure it doesn't fall apart and it stops. That's yeah, I know. My my mechanic went mm. through the whole thing and it's all everything's it's awesome. running like a champ. The I forgot on the drive up. I forgot about the there's like a like an ankle vent, you know, um, and so you know I had the win- yeah, yeah. I had the windows open and the and the dash fan going and it gets hot in there after a while, uh, and then I remember on the drive home I was like oh yeah I forgot I had the ankle vent and I opened that up and. What a difference. It's better than having... Oh, yeah, because you're sitting basically on top of the motor. So. Right, right. The motor's off to the right. But so, you know, I, I drove for a while with the door open on the highway, and, you know, you get a, a little more fresh air and stuff that way, but you also get a lot more mm-hmm. sun coming in and hitting you. But with the door closed mm-hmm. and that ankle vent open, you get this beautiful, cool breeze comes up, and uh, that's the way to do it. Nice. So. But driving around town with the doors open is just like way fun. <laughs> you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's like being an old uh, YJ. Yeah, but then you get up on the you know you get up on the highway and you're doing seventy, you so, know, and you're just like I'm just like looking at my thousand dollar phone bouncing around the dashboard in this wide open door. You know. <laughs> hey, there's an opportunity here if the whole making guitar building thing doesn't go, you can turn it into one really super cool ice cream truck. I'm just saying. Yes. Oh yeah, yes. absolutely. It's, it's um, I mean, the sky's the limit with these things. That's what I love about those old step fans is that they're just blank slates, you know. And like when the when I'm right. done retire from making guitars, I move on to the next thing. I can turn into a camper. I can do whatever, you know. I mean, it's just the sky's the limit. So. Ice cream truck, food truck. Ice used to truck. be a chef. Used to be in a chef band. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a chef anymore for a reason. <laughs> but um, so you know, we went to Narwhal Labs and um. I wanted to paint, you know, I want to start adding some color to the truck, and I'm doing some uh, some wraps and stuff on it, too. I'm working on with my buddy Derek from Square Splinter on YouTube. Um, but I, the bottom third of the truck, I wanted to paint green, and so we, with the help of Jeff and uh, and Kristen over at Total Boat and Jeff at Narwhal, we developed what we're calling, they were calling it Sway Sauce, and it's just like this green paint that kind of mixed up that's like... I wanted something that was kind of like Kelly Green, but I didn't want it to be too bright because I didn't want to look like a leprechaun mobile, you know? Mm. Um, more, more of a John Deere green then. But no, but lighter than that, not quite. And, no. and so, um, in, in all the photos, it looks very Kelly, but it's a little bit more like almost like avocado, more on the avocado side, you know. Um, mm. But uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a broccoli green, would you say? A little darker you know than what? emerald. I would yeah. say a raw broccoli green. Yeah. Nice. So yeah. a fresh, not steamed from the not garden steamed green. broccoli because you don't want to steam my broccoli. <laughs> No, it's the last thing anybody wants to do. We, we're yeah, well I don't know. I don't know. I'm starting to get there. Yeah, <laughs> but so, yeah, so we we mixed up this paint and um and then we, that, so that was going to be for my video, uh, you know, coming out where we're going to do this <clears> painting <throat> stuff. But then Jeff wanted to do some content for the Narwhal Labs YouTube channel, which I guess will be my pick this week. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll say that now. And um, so we, we did a couple things to kind of putz around, and show off some of the the features of the shop. And one of the things he has is a vinyl cutter. So we. Wanted to cut some lettering. We we're gonna put my logo up above the windshield, and um, my, initially I was like, "Well, let's do it above the windshield. We'll do it backwards, um, like an ambulance, like I did on my old TimSway.net truck. I had the the logos backwards, so in the rearview mirror it would read right. I always thought that was kind of funny. So we we're talking about doing mm-hmm. that. And we we're trying to think of something clever to to have it say. Um, 
you know, and I was, we were kind of like, uh, the thing we were kind of chasing down was like objects in mirror rock harder than they appear or something like that. We were trying to think of something like that to, to make a mirror reference, but it wasn't quite right. And so then we, yeah. we turned to Graz, you know, John Graziano, who's there filming. And so we tell him what we want to do. And he just goes, oh, jambulance. <laughs> walks away. It's, it's perfect. And we're it's like, perfect. yep, done. There was, there's no discussion. Just We just printed it and put it right on the front of the truck, right where it would say ambulance. It says jambulance now. That was, that's how you know it's right. Yeah, exactly. That's, and that's what I was saying. That when Jeff and I were going back and forth in text, we're like, ah, it's like, we'll keep working. We'll get it. We'll get it. And then, then Graz just, just nailed it. So, so the truck is now called the Jambulance, and it says it in reverse. Like good old gra- classic Graz, I say. Yeah, classic. But so that was yeah. That's, I had a lot of fun there, um, hanging out at Narwhal and and um, and hanging out with Jeff and, and all those people. Just some of the, you know, it's like like we were we were saying in the pre-show about like you know working with um with Klingspor. Like it's like a pleasure to work with them because they're just like cool people. You know, mm-hmm. and and have a symbiotic relationship. That's like the the Total Boat crew is is like that, and the Norwell Labs crew. They're just like, just such cool people, uh, and it's just like a, it's just a, a sheer joy to to be able to do things like this with them and work with them. No, they're actually part of the community. They're yeah. not just retailers. You know what I mean? Right. They're actually, they're people. And they make cool stuff. You know. Yeah. So yeah. hopefully, yeah. Now what we have to do is we have to encourage them to like once I get the video content together, which might be a little while, but we have to encourage them to produce the sway green so I can beat Paul Jackman to market with my own custom color, much like I beat him to market with my oh. own custom Carolina boots. Because that's really what it's all about for me. It's just about that's beating down Paul Jackman. The reason we started this podcast was to beat Paul Jackman. Pretty much. Pretty much. I could. I could. Do you guys remember the old um, uh, uh, celebrity Olympic show or whatever? I could imagine a foot race. Tim in his Carolina boots, Paul in his, racing to a finish line. That is the color. The, the, so they're holding up two ribbons. One the the silly orange, whatever that color is, and then the beautiful broccoli green. Yeah. And whoever yeah. crosses the finish line first gets their color to be like well, Carolina's color, the, the only boats color. The only problem with this is would have to use broccoli green. Yeah, but the only problem with this is that Paul doesn't have his own boots to run in, so he'd have to go barefoot. Wow. Shots fired. Pow, pow. Nobody wants that, Tim. (laughs) Nobody wants that. Phil. Paul has slept in my house, and uh, we don't want his feet uncovered if we can avoid it. I'm just saying. (laughs) Wow. Phil, what have you been up to, man? So I have um, uh, a friend, someone that I sort of know through friends or whatever and he sort of been reaching out to me recently he saw some of my instagram stuff and uh and he and he wanted to inquire as to could i do some some work for him and i was like what does that even mean and so it's it started small so first um i made him a door handle for his sauna so all of the door handles in his house are the same they're like this um glass knob thing Mm mm-hmm but on the inside of the sauna, obviously that gets really, really hot, and it could, I guess, scald or scold or whatever, Wait, really a, burn your hand. He has a sauna in his house. Yeah, don't ask. Anyways, <laughs> so so you need a wood handle for the inside of a sauna. So I had some uh, some white oak from a pallet, and so I made him like a nice little handle, and then I I epoxied it onto I uh, the the glass knob was epoxied onto like the brass so I just started right at the end and I just took a hacksaw and cut the brass and so it was just a perfect little like turned tenon and uh, and so I just 
made a recess hole into the wooden handle, simple L kind of thing, but chamfered and three coats of shellac, and then I epoxied it on. So great, loves it. Okay, then he shows up at my house. He's like, hey, I've got a light fixture for the sauna, and it's like white and LED, and it's just a rectangle. He wants like a wooden vent on it. Okay, all right, so that's on my bench now. And he goes, could you think we could make a, a desk? Uh, yeah, I, may, I guess we could make a desk. Anyways, I've been looking to uh, to buy a new laptop for work, so I figure I'll make him this desk. That money will go to the to the laptop fund. Nice. Mm. And then I'll and then I'll put an end to this little this little thing where I'm a contract woodworker. But anyways, it, it's been fun so far. That one, the door handle was easy. The light fixture will be very easy, and we'll see what he comes up with for the desk. But uh, but my, fun to sort of get out in the shop with purpose again. My only concern about the door handle. Is yeah. I don't the heat the heat and the I I just don't want the guy to get locked in there. I don't want that handle to <laughs> the, to for the epoxy to fail for some reason. I would suggest. I don't think it's that kind of a door handle. It says a turn. Is, is it, it if the handle if the knob comes off is he trapped in there? Like a, like I, no, I, I, I love Lucy. Um, I think Desi would be fine. I also put in a set screw. So that, okay, that was what I was going to say. There's a mechanical connection as well. That was my. That was what I was going to get at. Just make sure to drill something through there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not concerned then. Yeah, he's good. Right. Um, yeah, it's good. <laughs> I mean, you just don't and... want that on your conscience. <laughs> you know? Well, how would I ever know? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> when, when, the, when the house starts to smell, I don't know. <laughs> Man asphyxiate in sauna. Yeah. Huh, what a coincidence. Yeah. Um, I know that guy. <laughs> uh, let's see. Do I, did I do anything else? I don't know. I did some outdoor stuff, some gardening stuff, whatever. Let's move on. Um, I want to go to our topic, and it sort of it stems from – it sounds very shilly, but it's not because this sort of came up with a conversation I was having with Klingspor, and their philosophy is, is that they only sell things on their site that are either made in the U.S. or made in Germany. And I got into a whole back and forth about how, like, I think that's great, and I think that the reason that the maker movement um, has the steam that it has is because it's not just a hobby. I think it's almost also a political movement. And we have shipped off as a country, as a continent, we have shipped away all of our manufacturing jobs. And I think we almost, as makers, are sort of like angrily taking some of those back and personally putting them into our own garages, into our own shops, and we are repatriating. We are, you know, we're, we're taking a stand and we're saying, no, not past this line, no further. I am going to make things and I'm going to encourage other people to make things. It's important that we make things here. And and so that was sort of what spawned this. And um, and, and I sort of, I like that, that philosophy of theirs. And it's kind of, I feel like it's all of our philosophies here that yeah, I'm sure we buy a bunch of Chinese crap because it's cheap because you kind of can't get away from it. But when we when we when we can, I'm sure we see made in USA, made in Canada, made in Europe. We're like, yes, let's spend a little more and do that. And uh, and, and I, th- I know it feels good to make stuff in our own garages for that same reason. And and I thought maybe we could discuss that. I want to get your 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 input on that. Yes. Okay, good topic, guys. Um, anyways, this week. See you next week. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Good one. No, I Bill, mean, you were nodding a lot. I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, so I mean, I grew up. I grew up like this. And I think I was on the very tail end of, of what the norm was for most folks. You know, I was born in the late '60s, 
Um, but the, the early 70s, I mean, I, I, I remember that most folks fixed and repaired stuff around the house. That was just what you did. You didn't call the plumber. You didn't call the electrician. I mean, it, it, of course, you did it for bigger jobs. So I'm saying, but most stuff, you did it yourself. You know, if mm-hmm. you, it, even simple furniture you made for yourself, outdoor furniture. I mean, these are things that everybody could do. It was just kind of normal. And, and there, we did go through a few decades of where that kind of slipped away a little bit. And I think what we're seeing now is a resurgence of that. And I like the idea of that we're not angrily, but we're like, you know, give me that back. Give me those skills back. Give me those tools back. And now we have all these companies that are providing us with the types of machinery that actually we're not spending $50,000 on a CNC. We can spend $1,500 on a CNC and we can now do this at our home. So we're, we're not only doing things more DIY and, and fix and repair around the house, but we're actually, we're manufacturing, like you said, in our garage. You know, whether yeah. it's, it's as a hobby, as it's, it's a side gig, or, or as Tim would say, you know, quit your day job and do this for a living. It's a passionate thing. If you can, of course, um, people are doing this. But this isn't new. This is actually... It's like bell bottoms, man. Which haven't come back yet. Well, maybe they have. I don't know. Everything comes. <laughs> they back. were back in the '90s, and yeah. so like yeah. you see, like in the in the early 2000s, the '90s. Sorry, in the '90s, the '70s were in, mm. right? right? And then in the two, late 2010s, the '80s, 80s were right. in. Yeah, it always happens. You know, and so it, it'll happen again. But yeah. something I, I, I was think... talking to Mike about was um, was something that's called designed obsolescence. Right, so the things that we buy now are engineered and designed to basically have a very short lifespan, so that right. you have to buy another one again. And it wasn't like that, you know. You could buy a refrigerator in the '60s that would last you 25, 30 years, no problem. You know, maybe you have to change out a relay on a compressor, but it was des- now those things are don't last that long. You know, like everything just dies very quickly because we need to constantly be feeding this consumer you know uh this consumer-based economy that we have we don't make things we sell things we don't right. buy things we <clears throat> rent things basically uh yeah there's there's two things one thing i, I just don't want to miss real quick is like you know bill mentioned the, like the fifteen thousand dollar cnc machine now being 1500 bucks and accessible part of the reason it is accessible is because of overseas manufacturing so we can't forget that there is a connection like you know um, and of, but then it's like, well, now, so since we have that sort of trade setup, like that's always going to exist. We're always going to be interacting with other countries and, and stuff. Um, I'm not saying well, sure, turn ourselves into an island where we are, it's protectionism. Right. right I'm some, saying we need people, some of it here. Right. Because some people do. But what what we know from places like you know Detroit is that when you have a single market industry, you know, like that's just, that's dangerous. And so what we need is yes. is the diversity around the country, you know, of things being made. But, you know, your your point about the 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 quality and the you know, the sort of being designed to die thing is is a problem that gets worse every year. And like we were saying that in the eighties and nineties, like, oh stuff ain't made like it used to and you say it today and you kinda of feel like, oh, that's just always the way people talk. But it's like really true. Like they continue to make things worse and cheaper and less expensive and feed this consumer um, cycle of, of you know Buying, throwing away, buying, throwing away, and that's as reclaimers specifically uh, a me. big part of what what we're doing is is trying to like right. basically. I mean, I won't speak for you, but I'm I'm sticking my flag in the dirt and I'm saying no, that this stops here. You know, if, yeah. if we're gonna we're gonna make stuff, it's gonna be made to last. If we're gonna throw stuff away, we're gonna eliminate that as much as possible. You know, one of the one of the perspectives I think that we oftentimes forget is 
we think that oh man this this thing needs to happen it needs to happen now if you step back and you look at it though it, it's going to take a while and just like it took a long time for this industrial revolution that that you know we saw or people saw as, as they became to manufacture their own things and they created their own um, gizmos and gadgets and that things made were made I just watched Jimmy's um, 1.8 million subscriber you know where he talks about you know another another milestone so he did his bandsaw collection and a lot of his old bandsaws are these gigantic thousand pound cast iron and he was even saying that it's like this thing's been around for 100 years and the reason why is because it's thick it's metal it's made to last right yeah we're seeing that now again it's just that we're in the middle of it so it's hard to see like it's like Tim you said oh this is, I remember in the 80s and 90s you know it's like they don't make them like they used to it's still like that yes and no it is still like that but we are seeing a lot of things that are I, I don't know if you would call them bougie priced items because they're so expensive but you get what you pay for right mm-hmm. so we're going to get and the more I think the more that the equipment like you said regardless of where the parts come from if it's you know made in this country mm-hmm. or if it's when we're outsourcing these things to actually bring that ability back here it is way better than it was even a few years ago as far as getting the quality. Things are yeah. becoming more affordable. Uh, we're a lot less waste. Well, yeah, on the on the consumer electronics end, specifically is what I tend to think about. It's like, it's, you know, it's just a disaster. But the um, there are, you're right, there are these, these higher quality brands that are starting to see that market. And unfortunately, it's the top 1% to 3% that can afford most of it. But... In our sphere of the of the tool making companies, I mean, there are companies like Avid C and C pops to mind instantly. Is like here's a company. It's like you know what we want to make a machine that's the that's the quality of these, you know, these factory grade machines that anybody can afford. And they're still very expensive compared to some of the the less expensive and less duty machines. I tell you what though, these things are tanks. They're tanks, and because you assemble it yourself, there's like the savings. So there's a lot of companies that are doing creative things like that too. Mm-hmm. So then, and now, like, yeah, sure, some of these parts are made overseas, of course. But now, once I have it assembled in my garage, I'm a, I'm a factory. You know what I mean? I'm a one man factory. But that's the other thing too yeah. about this um, movement that is also attractive to me and gets into the CNC tech and why I'm going through that way is that. I think a lot of people like to say, well, it ain't like the good old days, but you know, the good old days are never going to happen again. And we, we saw the environmental impact and the, and the negativity of the giant factory in town. Like, I don't think we can bring manufacturing back that way. And now China's seeing it right now. I mean, they're having these problems and you know, the environmental impact and the, and all that stuff. Um, so there's gotta be a better, smarter way to manufacture here in America. And, and it, it is, is and, and I, it starts right here in our movement is where it starts. Right. Yeah. But I, but I think I think we as humans, you know, um, we will evolve into it's like okay, we using uh, the USA or America, our continent, whatever, right? As an example, we did a lot of giant factories polluting the air. Now we have hardly any factories. The air is a little bit better. So when it does come back, of course, we're going to evolve. I believe that as humans, we will evolve to get these, the global economy, right? Because we want to be, we all want to manufacture locally. That's the idea, right? Isn't Absolutely. It to, to, yeah. Right? So every country, but we share a little bit. It's like, hey, I can get, you know, China makes these amazing little widgets for, for my machine, but I'm, you know, the UK is also providing me with this thing. So we still share and trade around the world. But the idea of we're using the, the shared machinery to everybody create their own things for their little towns or their whatever. It's never going to be just that, but I think it is a lot now is becoming that again. Look at Maker Central. 
I mean, here's something that they got a little jealous because we had Maker Fair. It was really cool over here. And all of a sudden now there's all these people getting together, sharing ideas. And the Maker community just sprouted up, it seems like, overnight. Maker Central was all of a sudden a thing immediately. And it's, mm. it's amazing and beautiful. And I want to go. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I want to go too. Yeah, I was supposed to this year. But then, you know, the world caught on fire. <laughs> yeah. I find this pandemic... Very inconvenient. Yeah. Oh, it is the most inconvenient of all the pandemics. I can yeah. tell you that right now. No question. No question. Way worse than the Spanish Does that flu. mean I can just wish it away and just act normal again? You were normal? You will never. You can wish all you want, but you acting normal is kind of like not going to happen, right? Well, we were wishing for that. Yeah. I mean, Phil and I do all the wishing for you to act normal that you need. Yeah, the, the the big thing that I'm I'm just jumping off that the big thing that that uh, attracts me to the CNC tech <laughs> is uh, is like we're talking about about having you know localized uh, manufacturing and I don't see any reason why that can't be in the very especially I mean honestly COVID kind of kind of showed that happening too of all these like micro mask makers forming everywhere and yeah you know in three right. D all these three D printers like people firing them up in their basements and. Uh, there's no reason why that can't happen because more and more of us have this tech, have these 3D printers. And that's something that I've been talking to several people that are smarter than I about. And there's a lot of plans in the work with that, um, that with you know the wireless uh, you know, connections and internet and stuff, there's no reason why I can't use my laptop to control the CNC in your house, Phil. There's no reason why I can't, right? So now why am, I, yeah. why am I cutting down a tree here, going through the process of then shipping it to you to make something to have it ship over here when we can, right. we can do this via file? And we can, you know, like Redwood grows where you live, Bill, so you make stuff out of Redwood. But I don't need to make it out of Redwood. I can make it out of Elm because that grows here, you know, and, and, um, and all this stuff. So now we're not sending the commodity. We're not making the Eames chair, stacking it up in the trucks and driving them all over. We're hitting print on our laptops and sending that, that, that data everywhere. You know what I mean? Right. In a weirdly loosely connected way, that's what uh, Benuetta is all about, right? It's it's sharing. Yeah, the that, well, that's his bucket. That was his right. his whole bucket challenge. His yeah. he told his friend right. he could have a, a product in every country in the world in like thirty six hours or whatever. And yep. However, the story <clears throat> went, you know, and he did. What I, I I'm gonna just jump on a tangent here real quick. My favorite thing about science fiction, things like Star Wars and Star Trek and all that stuff is that it always inspires actual science and actual ideas. And so you see things like the cell phone came about from, like, the Star Trek communicator. Did you ever have the Motorola flip phone? You know the one that looked exactly like the communicator? God, I was... That was the Vader. No, I didn't have... That was crazy expensive. That was $3,600 for that tiny little... Oh, no, no. I mean, it wasn't the replica, but I had the Motorola flip, the the motor. Oh, yeah, yeah. We all have that one. It was freaking... I was like... Oh, my God. I was like a kid getting that yeah, thing. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah. It's like Star Trek. But I feel one of the sometimes. <laughs> but one of the that, things... That was, <clears throat> I, I, I just... You guys are talking about that. There was this phone called the StarTech that was the yeah. latest and greatest yeah. flip phone. It was yeah. the size of a matchbook and it was a little flip phone and we just it was amazing. And I think about that thing now. It didn't do anything. All you could do is call people. It was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And it was analog. <clears throat> so yeah. it was subject to all kinds of static. Hello? Yeah. <laughs> Zoolander. <laughs> Zoolander. Zoolander very well. Yeah. Um, what, the reason I brought that up is because of what Tim was saying. is like pressing enter on your laptop mm. just creates something. One of the, the cool futuristic devices from Star Trek is you walk up to this panel on a wall, mm. and it's called a replicator, and you'll say something like... T. Earl right, Grey. Table, please. No, yeah. it's T. Earl Grey hot. hot. Thank you. Of course. Do it right. T. Earl Grey hot. Make a show, number one. 
Uh, but you know, but it could be anything. It could be like a teapot, please, or you know, whatever the case. Uh, like a table, and they would just replicate it. Like mm. they don't fabricate anything specifically. It's just it's a matter to it's an energy to matter converter. And it, but the point is, is that you essentially have this digital library of all of these things that it could just spit out for you if you need them, and you do it. And that's that's kind of sort of where we are right now. We, you know, you, we are the you, digital fabricators, right? Yeah, and there's just a library. And that, so, for example, for um, for 3D printing, right? So, like this plastic um, additive manufacturing thing, right? It's just a printer that sits on your desk. You go to a website like Thingiverse, and you're like, oh, cool, I'd like that. Download, uh, print, okay. In six hours, you have this thing. So mm. even if you're not a creator, even if though you're not a digital fabricator, someone could just beam it to you over the internet. You press print. And then you have it, so it's exactly what a replicator is. It just—it's just slower. It, it boggles not, the mind. It's the only difference is it's slower and it's not pulling the carbon molecules out of the air and then generating the. You know, you're actually using well, a, a substrate or whatever. If, but. if we want to analog this even more and bring it down to the local part, like I said, Phil, you are the replicator, right? Your neighbor came to you and said, "Hey, I need a doorknob." He didn't go to the store. He came to you. Right. Mm, you know and now you are the one that has this library of skills that you can pull from to manufacture these things in your garage for what he needs that he could very easily just go to the big box store right but he chose you instead but because of the kind of the the kind of content that we're creating and this buzz and this this energy that started in our little movement you know um people are starting to appreciate and respect things more like i i love telling people like yeah I i could make anything you know, I mean, yeah. I, I could almost make, I mean, almost anything. It might take me long, you know it might not be is, affordable, but. <laughs> the th- and I don't think people necessarily always want affordable. I think what, you know mm. what people want, and specifically because I had this conversation with this client, and, and he's looking for a story. Yeah, unique the things story. He, yep. he wants an artifact, right? He wants to be able to say, you see that doorknob you just turned to get out of the sauna? Someone made that for me out of a white oak from a pallet. Yeah. You know, like. And this desk, this was made from whatever. And this light fixture, this used to be a desk. And all these things and, like, an actual story behind it. The story of, I got a great deal on this, isn't compelling anymore. It's not cool. Mm. What's cool is unique, specific objects yep. that have a, have a another, cool surrounding story. And another thing our community has given us is that we, we are members of Patreon, but patrons now are a thing. Because there are people that don't make, they don't want to make. But they also can't afford a Rembrandt, but they can afford to go to a Phil Pinsky and get that story. It's art. It's not just, you know what I mean? It's it's like they're buying that story. It's art. These are patrons. These are not just customers and clients anymore. They're mm-hmm. actually patrons of the movement, of the maker community. They'll go to Tim Sway and buy a guitar from him because they they want the quality. They want the craftsmanship. They want the story and everything. But it, to them, it's art. I don't want to make a guitar. Yeah. I want to buy his guitar. I yeah. don't want to go to... Guitar world and buy it. No, I want his. So the whole idea of we're bringing back this, this patronage from people who are not necessarily makers, or at least they don't make what we make, right? They might they might make poems, or they might make um, books, or or they might make computer programs, but they don't make these things that we do. So we're getting this patronage back. From yeah, I like that. They're, they're yeah. supporting the art, and you know that's that's why I started making the YouTube videos, right? you know, was to, to tell the story because it's all about the story. And uh, I remember early on some of those videos I was showing my wife and I was kind of learning how to make them. And, and she's just like, well, you're just giving everybody away all your secrets and all your tricks. And uh, I was like, yeah. I was like, but the 
people that watch this, either they're going to figure it out and make it themselves anyways, or they're not. <laughs> they're definitely not going to buy from you, right? Right. Like the people, the, the, the people that can figure out these tricks, they're not going to buy it from me. They're just going to make it themselves anyways. Because you know how I know that? Because that's what I'm going to do when I watch someone else's video. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if if there's some- that satisfaction, that gratification right. that comes from doing that too. You're either somebody who wants to to get that story made for them, or you're the guy that wants to make that story. I mean, right. But so, there's plenty so, of both. But then that translates into also like if you know if that's what I'm watching. But then there's also that side of me that's a patron that. Like, yeah, I see what you did. I could absolutely make that. I learned how from you, but I love what you do so much, I'm going to buy yours, you know? And then mm-hmm. there's the other customer, of course, that is the more the more important one in some ways because there's more of them maybe is the one that's just like, I can't make that. I like that. I want that. But, you know, what's happened in, in my Consumer. career a little bit is um, that I'm, you know, like my like I make the, a tool that I sell and this and that, and it's, it's sort of somewhere in between. It's like, well, there's something useful that I want. It's made in America. You know, and I like the person that's that's providing it. You know, and so that's like uh, what I found to be really humbling in this whole process. To where like I'm still, I just I just uh, ordered another batch of squares. I'm almost sold out again. I'm making more of them. Every time I make them, I'm like I'll never make these again. But people keep buying them. And for people listening outside of our Canadian American uh, piece of dirt, when we say made in America, we're, we're really what we're really saying is maybe you're in the UK. Made in right. the UK, so made, it's, it's made, made locally. Here. Yeah, made in my made home in the West. Here. Yeah, right. yeah. It's made not local. that it has to be made in America, so, but it's made in my hometown, and that, like literally, right. like if it's not in my shop, most of the stuff that I source is made right here in my hometown because there's someone that does it, and they're yeah. and they're here again, you know, and they're smaller and they're smoother and they're stealthier, and they're all making up making livings with with tools and machines in their hands. Well, they're specialized, yeah. right? Like, you, you could do it eventually, some way, somehow, but most of us, I think, are generalists, right? And But maybe we're good at one specific thing. And so the interesting thing is going to someone else who is a specialist in this one thing that you're trying to get done. Yeah, you could do it, and, but it might take you two weeks, and it'll take mm-hmm. them 20 minutes. Well, so we had a, we had a, hard, <laughs> we had a storm that came through. Uh, this week, uh, like a little kind of you know mini hurricane, a tropical storm, and there's a tree branch in my front yard, and I saw it down. And I was like, oh, I'll just go. I can. I have a saw on a pole. I was like, I'll go cut it. And um, you know, a couple days went by. We were away. You know, I go. My, my father was like, I'll come help you. I'm like, I don't need your help. I'll, I'll get it. Don't worry about it. And um, so I go. I grab my little saw on a pole, and I walk out, and I look up, and it's way bigger than I thought it was, and it's you know kind of hanging over the road, <laughs> and I'm looking at the hill, and I'm like, I know I could do this. I could get a ladder. I could get. I could get some orange cones and block the street. I could get someone to spot me. I was like, or I could just pay a guy a hundred bucks. <laughs> right. So, so I called see, the guy. See, having, but it, it ended up that the city did it for free, anyways, which is great. But, but yeah, it's like sometimes you need the specialist. Like, yes, I could do it, but at what cost? So, so last night, probably last you're back. Night, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Last, last night, Casey and I are uh, getting ready for bed and doing up the dishes in the kitchen. Hit the garbage disposal, turn off the garbage disposal, and here comes everything that just went down coming back up. I'm like, uh-oh. Uh, uh. And I'm like, okay, turn the garbage disposal on and just let it run a little longer. It'll, it'll push it down. So everything was going fine. Then she walked down to the bathroom and said, honey, it's coming up back here. I'm like, oh, no. No, that's even worse. So, <laughs> from one end of the house to the other, everything's backing up, right? And I'm like, no. this sucks. It's 1030 at night. What do we do? Because this is not something I, my mind will not let this go. And, and yeah. I can't do anything as far as like opening the, the access outside and running a snake. I don't have the snake to do that. I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And she's like, well, we'll just call a plumber tomorrow. Call. I'm like, no, 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 no. All right. 
here we go. So I go in her bathroom and I pulled up the stopper for the sink in the in the master bathroom and I put a couple of uh, rags into the little holes in the sink because you got to plug up all the holes, right? Right. Yeah. Go to the front bathroom. I'm like, all right, honey, I want you to put your finger in these two holes right here. <laughs> and tell me if it's coming up. So she's standing there. So then I go in the kitchen and I go out the back door. That's my back hose is in the backyard. So I, I bring that into the kitchen. I squirt the nozzle on full blast, tape it on, stick it in the, the drain, stuff towels around it so it can't come out. And I just let that pressure build them. And I'm hoping that whatever was clogged is just goo that came up over a while and it just started to back up enough. And I said, okay, let your fingers out. She does. I'm like, anything coming out? She's like, no. I'm like, this is great. Maybe we freed it. So within about 15 minutes, we were able to do that as opposed to the only other option would have been if that didn't work. Is again, we would have had to wait till tomorrow. Do I take yeah. the day off? Do I just have her call a plumber? Guy right. comes out. It's got a snake. Do I go to Home Depot and do I rent a snake? I know how to do it. Do I, I don't want to take the time to do that. It's going to, you know, all of these things. But having that skill set, all this being said is that for people who are learning now to do the fix and repair of the home stuff, making things, building a little box, a whiskey box, whatever it is, the satisfaction that comes because when we unclogged this and we realized that everything mm. was good now, Happy both dance. of us were heroes. Celebrating. Yeah, you're heroes. It's, yeah, I mean, you just feel yeah. so good about yeah. the fact that For we sure. did this thing, you know? It's like, it's amazing. And watching somebody make, like, I remember when she... We got the little Harbor Freight mini lathe and Casey made a pen for the first time. That look on her face, I just turned these little blocks of wood into this thing that mm. didn't exist until I made it. Mm. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Bringing that back in, bringing that type of manufacturing, even if it's a personal manufacturing, back into your home, back into your garage, is phenomenal. It's what do I assume women feel like when they give birth to a child? I feel like it's the exact same thing. It's exactly <laughs> like that. Turning That's what the pen, I figured. giving birth to a child... Unplugging yeah. the drain. Yeah. Unplug, same thing. Same. Yeah. Same, I'm not, same. I'm not, well, I'm not talk it kind of is the same as unplugging a drain, right? <laughs> uh, Yes. Literally. Yes. Yeah. 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 Tim? Okay, keep, we're moving on. I, yeah, I'm not talking about that. Yeah. Let's, um, we're, we're, Bill, we have no iTunes review reviews. Please do the thing where you guilt people. Oh, I, it's getting harder because I'm, I'm, I'm really starting to worry. I'm getting a little offended. I thought I was supposed to be the, the funny one and the nice guy on the show, and, and it turns out people really don't like me. And I can accept that, but I at least write a review saying that. Say, Bill, we just don't like you. We don't need you on the show anymore. Because you don't have to be so hurtful, people. It takes mm -hmm. minutes, okay, seconds wait, to write a review. Bill, we don't like you. We don't need you. Is that what you want? <laughs> I can do that. <laughs> All that being said, come on, folks iTunes reviews, you know it helps us, and it's free. Super free. Weekly now, tip segment. We hang I got on. It. One second, though. Oh, uh, we want to do the phone thing. Well, we have, we have uh, actually, we have two legitimate calls this week. Only one of them legit? mentions legit. Only one of them mentions a moving floor. <laughs> but just briefly, veto and still um, remain legit. It was, it was good. But we're not going to play those this week because uh, next week's episode, we, both of them were legit questions that would generate some dialogue and so we're saving them for next week and we're going to do a Q&A next week so if anybody else has any questions that they would like answered like for reals Call not in. anything to do with escalators um, you can go ahead or and moving floors or moving you can go ahead and you can either type them through this as you always can at 
info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com or you can hit record on your little voice recorder thing on your phone and actually record your message or your question and send it to that same email address info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com and next week we are doing a Q&A we haven't done one in a while and since we had two of them that kind of started us we were like well let's open that up for next week do a legit Q&A yeah. um, and we will uh, it's been a while since we've done one so we're looking yeah, forward to so that thank you PJ and Ryan yes yes so we will do those next week um. Yeah. Now moving on. Weekly tip segment. So I had at work today. I had to hang up um, six pictures in a conference room, and they all had to be at the same height. And the airport manager is a. He looks like the Monopoly man, right? The little guy with the the monocle. Monocle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But he's he's extremely anal. I don't care if he listens to the show. He knows I don't like him. We don't get along at all. But he wanted all these pictures hung up at the same exact height. And here's something I've been doing for years, and I just didn't think. I'm like, okay, I got it, and I'll do it, right? And it's something I've, a little jig I've made. I've been doing this forever. And I have it here so I can show Phil and Tim, but I'm going to do, I'm going to try and explain it like I would be for Chip, right? So, because Chip doesn't see very well. So anyway, I have a piece of uh, scrap plywood. And it's about 12 inches long. It's about two inches wide, three-quarter inch thick. It doesn't ha- none of those dimensions really matter. A piece of wood about like this. A half inch from the top, we'll call it the top because the screw goes in there, a wood screw. Okay? Okay. That's going to act as a handle so you can hold it up against the wall. On the other side, you put a little nail, like a picture nail, and you pound it through just to where it pokes down at the bottom a little bit. So it's like, ow, if you touch it, ow just like a 32nd of an inch, and then you bend it up because that's where you're going to take... Now, these pictures have the wire on the back, correct? Right. So you take the picture, you set it on this nail at the hook, and now you hold it up against the wall. I have a line there with the top of the frame. is the same height for every frame, so it doesn't matter where the wire's at because you're going to hang it on this. You put it up against the wall. You move it up and down to where the, the picture top of the frame matches the line. Take the picture off. You push this little board into the wall just a little bit and it's got the pokey part on it, it leaves a little dent, that's where you put your little nail, yep. and your pictures get hung up the same height every time, no matter what, use it at your house. Brilliant. Wow. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's that's way better than everything I've ever done that hasn't worked. Yeah. <laughs> so a boss, when I was 19, I was uh, doing maintenance at a hotel in uh, uh, Alameda, California. It was close to where I'm at now. Um, this guy showed me. He was a Vietnam vet. He's the main, he's the head maintenance man for like three or four of the other chain hotels. He taught me some of the stuff there, and that was one of the things he showed me. I've been using it for thirty plus years now. Well, because so. and you're only telling us now. Yeah. Thanks, man. Well, because now it, if, you know, it's just funny. If you hang one picture, right? Say say you have these six to do. You hang the one in the middle. Now you can you can take. Um, like a straight edge, like a, a just a piece of scrap wood or a ruler or whatever, and you could put it on top of that picture and have that run across. And now you can do this little trick of yours and pull the next picture up so the frame is actually touching that piece of wood, well, even yeah. see, instead well, of just trusting true, your eye. No, this is so. What I did first was is I measured up from the ground. Yeah. Um, exactly. He wanted it at eye level, but he's only like three feet tall. So, yeah, yeah. but he so I hey, measured hey, up hey. five feet. So the type the top of the frame was going to be at five feet from the floor. And it was in six different spaces throughout this room uh, spread out. So I just took a piece of masking tape, measured up 
Uh, oh, there you five go. Yeah. Feet, put the yeah, masking tape, do a across. little line. Yep. Masking tape, do a little line. Now I go with my little hanger and I just pull it up to the top of the up frame. To the line. Like a little mark I made on the masking tape. Yep. Make my little dimple. Now I peel the masking tape off. I know exactly where the nail goes. That was my concern is that while you're holding it to the wall, you'd be looking to your left or right at the other pictures and you wouldn't be seeing it straight. But so you solve that. No, with, no, no. Yeah, every, so every, yeah. everyone has a mark of where mark it's going to go on the, the wall. Yep. This is to get it exactly at the right height. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. I like that. What I always did was I took the tape measure and I, you know, because it's got the sort of the hook end. Mm. And so I'd slip that through the wire, lift it up enough so that the weight of the picture was pulling on the, uh, on the, the tape, tape measure. measure. And I see, and so I see, okay, the, the difference between the wire and the top is, let's say, four inches. Mm. And so I put it up against the wall, make a mark on the top, and then measure down the four inches. And I know that's where my... My hanger's got to go, but I like yours better. You can do the same thing yeah, I just I, did with this piece of wood with yeah. a tape measure. If you just hold the tape measure, it's just a little flimsier. If you hold yeah. the tape measure, yeah. hang the picture on the end of the hook of the tape. Then pull yeah. it off and mark the it. picture, it's right yeah. there at the bottom of the tape is where you put right. your nail. Now, what makes yeah. yours really brilliant is that the it, the nail that you're hanging the picture on while you're lining it up sticks through that wood just a little bit, just enough to make that little, like an awl, like an ice pick yeah. mark. Yeah. That's the like brilliant part of that. So it, you don't, because everything I've done is more like Phil's. It's like I've lined it up. I've I've built like temporary ledges, I you know, tables, moves or whatever to stack them all up and get them where you want them. And then you're always left measuring to mark. But with yours, it eliminates measuring. You know, once you have yeah. your well, measurings for idiots. Yeah, exactly. What's, what's nice about this too is that when you, most pictures, when they put the wire on the back to hang it from, they're not the same size. They're never. They're the close, same. but they're not or the same. Or the same, same tension from, or anything like. Yeah. Even from the same frame maker, they're not going to be exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So anyway, wow. there's my tip. I had to use it today. I'm like, I got to have this for the podcast tonight. Yeah. I love it. I love it's not, it. It's not a tip, but it reminds me of a quick story. Uh, I, when I used to work in hotels and restaurants and hotels, this, this GM was telling me this story once that he was working for this guy, in, or there's a maintenance guy or whatever it's telling the story, but they work for the guy and they're hanging up the paper towel rolls in the men's room. And the, the, the general manager's pointing to the wall and he's saying, put them here and here and here. And the general manager is a tall gentleman. He's about six foot five. And, um, and so the, the guy's like, okay, that's, that's kind of high though, don't you think? I mean, we're not all as tall as you. And he goes, this has nothing to do with me being tall. I want them here because if they have to reach up to grab the paper towel, the water is running down their arm and it's going to get to their sleeve. And so they're going to pull the piece of paper towel off quickly so they don't have their arm up too long, taking too much paper towel and wasting it and having a, the water run down and get their sleeve. So it's to trick them into using less paper towel by hanging them high. I, I just, I just, you, just, you mentioned the guy was short and it just reminded me of that. Yeah. We, we uh -huh. had to install these. I don't uh, like that story at all. <laughs> because of the, because of the COVID, we had to install the the wave your hand in front of it dispenser of paper towels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's got a setting on that for short, medium, and long, right? Mm. And the, again, the manager saying, "Well, I want those all on short, so we don't you know people just." Say, I said, "The only difference nope. is you're going to rip off five pieces exactly. as opposed to one." Said it's you know, a long, right? and like, only rip off one. You get a long piece, you think, "Wow, this is great." You walk away happy. You get a short piece, you're mad, and you're going to get it a bunch more. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Cheap is expensive. Expensive is cheap. Exactly. Think about that. Great tip. What grabbed your attention this week? I'm going to Tim Sway. Uh, I like literally have nothing because oh yeah, Narwhal Labs. I, was, I gotta because go I was at Narwhal all week and so so uh, Narwhal Labs YouTube channel. I know uh, Zyla uh, made a video there where she made this kind of cool like fake stained glass out of epoxy. Um, and uh, I think I saw that. Yeah, so yeah. Be Beauty and the Bolt is her regular channel. Her name is Zyla. And, um, but yeah, so I know that they're putting out content. Jeff's been doing some safety tips and stuff. Um, 
So go check out that channel. They're trying to they're trying to make something happen there. You know, in in a different way. What, like, I, what I like, what I like about Zyla too is uh, she's um, taking flying lessons at a small airport so yeah. I, I, she's had a couple of videos where she's so excited in front of this little Cessna I'm like oh that's like the little kids I see at my airport anyway she's not a little kid but she's <laughs> no, much, she's a, much a, younger a than me so. yeah. right. hey so um, I, I might have mentioned this guy before he's got a little channel it's, it's uh, under 20,000 but it's Broken Edge Designs and I forget how much I like this guy's stuff he's a reclaimer um his latest video was uh, he made a coffee table out of a wagon wheel. So basically what he did was he took the metal ring from the wagon wheel, he used some reclaimed lumber, he um, uh, glued it all, made a nice glue up, he cut out the round to fit inside the ring, and then he used some other hardware to make a two-layered, using, basically it's not a wagon wheel coffee table so much as he used the parts from an old rusty wagon wheel to create this rustic looking coffee table and it's amazing go back a few more videos and he actually made a uh, a treehouse loft for a priest uh, kindergarten class right but it's made out of he's got a cnc as well so he not only does the stuff with the, you know reclaim stuff but he does have a cnc he used a bunch of pocket holes some plywood and a cnc and he created this loft with a tree on it and it's neat and everything's hidden you can't see it it doesn't look like it's pocket holes in the cnc he looks like he built stairs in this cool railing system out of expensive stuff but it really is just this it's almost like i don't know because he doesn't talk in any of his videos they're not really educated uh, they're not they're made to inspire more than they are to teach you how to do it. But you watch it go, oh, wow. You almost say, this guy must be a cabinet maker. Because some of the stuff he does is so precise and amazing. But yet he takes those skills and he goes and grabs a bunch of garbage and he makes beautiful stuff out of it. Mm, so Cool. Broken Edge Designs. Okay. Looking now. Um, I, uh, okay. Here's what I did. The other night, I put on uh, Best of... Uh, Simpsons moments and it was a 30 minute video and I laughed from start to finish <laughs> I, I forgot how funny like the funny episodes of the Simpsons were and like just these moments and they were a blast from the past I realized how many of them I still know off by heart it's crazy uh, but I just I was laughing for 33 I would watch I, that I would actually watch that I think you should. It's it's hysterical. But, like, a lot of it is, like, What's you have to understand the context, but it doesn't matter. Like, you, you'd watch it and you'd laugh. My wife's like, who are you talking to down there? <laughs> I'm just laughing. Just laughing. Okay. I mean, I've watched The Simpsons off and on over the years, but not to the degree that you have. So I think I could definitely pick up 30 minutes worth of all the good stuff. Yeah, right? no worries. For sure. It's good stuff. Um, and that's that's where we are on that. Um, our websites, williamlutz.com, timsway.net, and newperspectivesmusic.com. Contact us for show topics, suggestions, feedback, all that good stuff. I want you to either record us a voice note or send us an email at info at reclaimedaudiopodcast.com or hit us up on Twitter at Reclaimed Audio. On iTunes, leave us those reviews. Anything five-star will get read out loud, and it will prevent us from having a sick bill on you and the Jewish guilt that comes along with that. Patreon.com slash Reclaimed Audio, the absolute best way to help three guys out. And um, I want to direct you to uh, woodworkingshop.com, where you can get that sampler pack that I talked about. Um, and I will link, put a link to it on our website, and then you get 10% off using one of our three coupon codes, Broccoli, Utilize, or Disagree. And on that note, have a great week, everyone. Bye, everybody.
Be broccoli. Don't utilize that time to try and score more points. Tonight. Yeah, yeah, I disagree. Totally disagree. <laughs>